Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. What a day at the White House. We have President Macron visiting President Trump. And let me tell you, Rick, they did seem to want to know that uh, let the world know that they actually seem to get along. Any dandruff spotted? What was going on? Some dry scalp? I was a little surprised by that. A lot of hand-holding, it seemed to me, uh, between between the two presidents. Maybe not through the president and the first lady, but yeah, it seemed like they were trying to signal something. Hand-holding, air kisses, some, I think there was an actual kiss or two, I think. Uh, I mean, it was really quite something. I was actually in the Oval Office for that, uh, you mentioned the dandruff incident, Oval Office, small room. You, sure. you, you've been in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see any dandruff, dude. <laughs> you think he made it up? He made up dandruff just to have the dramatic show of how he was making this uh, young French president even more perfect. And, 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 he, and did you notice how he kind of went in there and he almost like pinched the little imaginary piece of dandruff off as opposed <laughs> to like usually you'd kind of brush it off because right. it's too hard to actually pick. And I, I, I'm telling you, I looked back. Did you look at the tape? I, I really don't think there was any dandruff. Uh, and he didn't even call it lint. He was clear that it was that it was dandruff. In fact, I'll get that little piece of dandruff for that little piece. We have to make him perfect. He is perfect. Okay, I'll give you a little backstory, and I hope we're not I hope we're not revealing confidences here. But um, I was the I was the TV pool reporter, uh, which means I'm there representing the five networks. There's also a, a print pool reporter, as you know, and then there's the wire services that, that comprises along with the photographers and the videographers and the sound text. That's your TV pool. And that's your that's your pool, your press pool. Right. Um, and it was our very good friend, friend of, of the broadcast or the podcast, um, Peter Baker was the print pooler. And you... Rick, you know the enormous respect that I have for Peter Baker. Sure, right? of course. I, mean, the I best think he's on the beat. Period. I think he's truly. He may be the best, the best White House correspondent of, of our time. Uh, you know, years ago I reviewed his book on on Bush, which was phenomenal. He's 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 written several several excellent books. You know, there was a big debate, and Peter thought that he heard him say the lint. Mm. I, I got a little piece of lint, and I said, Peter. That was, he said dandruff. In fact, I'll get that little piece of dandruff for. And the initial pool <laughs> report suggested that it was lint that was said. Uh, and I think this is the biggest, uh, you know, potential mistake since that famous Zeke Miller incident at the, at the <laughs> beginning of the, uh, of the Trump administration. Remember with the, the statue of MLK? Yeah. 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 Uh, the bust. Um, but to Peter's credit, and this is what makes him such a great a great reporter on the beat, that uh, I provided him with the uh, you know the video and the audio, and he and he issued an addendum and made it clear he, it was in fact uh, dandruff that was said. So dandruff was uttered, but I don't think dandruff was actually on the French president's jacket. So what was the play here? I mean, what's the takeaway from this extraordinary couple of days? The dinner at Mount Vernon, all of the 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 love fest that the, that these two men have shown each other here. We know they've got some big differences. Uh, we know that that Macron came with some real messages, particularly around the Iran nuclear deal, obviously the Paris Climate Accord. What's what's the Trade. takeaway? Trade, of course, tariffs. What's the takeaway from this uh, this uh, French connection? Well, we won't know until May twelfth. <laughs> May twelfth <12th laughs> is the uh, is the deadline for the president to either you know certify and stay in the Iran deal or or take it off. Of course, these deadlines come several times a year, uh, but the next one is May twelfth, and um, I think that one thing you have seen with President Trump for all the, um, you know, all the, the the fits and starts in this White House, all the kind of unprecedented swings and, 
you know, kind of just just general level of instability often in, in that White House. He has managed to forge a few very strong bonds with uh, with other leaders that seem that seem genuinely uh, you know strong bonds, and one of them is is the French president. Uh, again, what, what does it mean? Where's it going to lead? But I, I want to, if, if you don't mind, Rick, uh, our producer of this of this podcast, Trevor Hastings, has has pulled out several little kind of snippets from the day. Do you mind if we kind of tick through some of these things? You'd play it even if I did mind, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually really true. Um, because it really was a, uh, I mean, I don't want to say an extraordinary day, because any day that wasn't <laughs> extraordinary in the Trump administration, the Trump era would be extraordinary for being not extraordinary. Um, but uh, f- first of all, uh, let's l- let's start with what the president had to say about the Iran nuclear program. Now, this is I would say was issue number one for Macron coming in. He wants the United States to remain part of the Iranian nuclear accord. Of course, the accord that was negotiated in part by President Obama and our and our European allies. And he's trying to convince the president, stay in the deal, because if you go out, the Iranians may start up their nuclear program again, and then we'll have absolutely nothing. Stay in it, and we'll try to negotiate something else that will go on top of it or beside it that will deal with the major issues and concerns, legitimate issues and concerns that the Trump administration has about the Iran deal. One, that it doesn't do anything to limit their development of ballistic missiles, and it does nothing to curtail or to end their support for terrorism in the Middle East. Those are the two biggest concerns. So what the what Macron is saying is leave the, what we've negotiated on the nuclear deal in place and let's come together, Europeans and Americans, the major trading partners of the Iranians, and put the pressure on to force them to agree to take steps on the other in the other two areas. The president seemed to kind of be open to this, but I got to tell you, uh, this was... And I thought when I asked the president in the Oval Office about this possibility and this threat that the Iranians have made explicit that they may restart their nuclear program, and he seemed to significantly turn the temperature up on Iran. Take a listen. But the Iranians say they'll restart their nuclear program if the deal we'll is... We'll find out. You'll find out about that. Are you concerned about that? It won't be that? so easy for them to restart. Mr. President, are you... They're re- not going to be restarting anything. They restart it, they're going to have big problems, bigger than they've ever had before. Wow. Uh, so that was uh, the message on Iran, but then we heard uh, the, the, him talk about North Korea, uh, and this was a- after they left the Oval Office, went into the cabinet room, and uh, the president was giving his kind of opening remarks, and with Macron sitting across the table, and he had this to say about his discussions with Kim Jong-un to set up this planned summit meeting later in June. Listen. Kim Jong-un was, uh, he really has been uh, very open and I think very honorable from everything we're seeing. Okay. You just heard a Republican president who has said the most terrible things about North Korea and the North Korean leader, Rocket Man, and, you know, cruel dictatorship. And, uh, yeah, he's and de- we should say he's deserved a lot of it. It's not like I mean, he's just is, saying these things. Trump this, this, and this a lot of people don't a, deserve it. This is, a bad, this is a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Uh, yeah. But he, he just used the words honorable and very open to. Anyway, so, but I want to move. We'll, we'll come back to that. And then we go from the 
cabinet room into the East Room for the joint press conference, and the president is asked about his embattled VA secretary nominee, Ronnie Jackson, his, uh, his White House doctor, also the White House doctor for President Obama and President, George, President, George, President Obama and President George W. Bush. And he had this to say about Ronnie Jackson's confirmation battle. I told Admiral Jackson just a little while ago, I said, what do you need this for? This is a vicious group of people that malign, and they do, and I live through it, we all live through it. You people are getting record ratings because of it, so congratulations. But I said, what do you need it for? He's an admiral, he's a great leader, and they question him about every little thing. He went on to say that if it were him, if he were Ronnie Jackson, he wouldn't do it. He'd drop out. I mean, I, and we all interpreted that, John, as hanging the guy out to dry, a pretty strong signal. If this, at that same moment, he's still, Dr. Jackson's on Capitol Hill saying he wants to, to, to have his day in, in front of Congress to, to explain himself. Uh, and it looked for a while like that was the end of Ronnie Jackson's short-lived We tenure. were all wondering when's he going to pull the plug. Right, when, not if, right. If I were him, actually, in many ways, I'd love to be him. But the fact is, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> By the way, I was wondering when he said that, in what ways does he want to be Ronnie Jackson? Oh, I know. Oh, you do? Yeah. What do you got? I mean, he's a younger man, fitter man. Yeah, he, that's what he's thinking about. Oh, he is? Okay. That's All right. All right. About. That's yeah. good. It's fine. Um, but anyway, I bet he's not as good at golf. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Uh, Ronnie Jackson is a great guy, by the way. I, I um, have actually seen him under three different presidents. So he's you know been on foreign trips where he's, he's always traveling, President Bush, Obama, and Trump. By the at least the people that I've talked to in those three administrations, this is a guy who is universally very well liked. I mean, you know, obviously it's not a political position when you're the White House physician, right? But it, it and, and and it seems though that this was put forward because Trump liked him. He didn't actually do any vetting that we know of of Ronnie Jackson. Or you, don't so? you don't I, think so? I guess you don't I'm getting that sense. I'm getting the sense that maybe he wasn't. You don't think fully they had aware. like murder boards on VA uh, policy? Right. And the president or extensively even, grilled him on his uh, plans for uh, for the VA, or even digging into other aspects of his personal conduct. And we now have, um, particularly you, you the really Democrats so. on that committee. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going out there on a limb here, saying this may have been more on personality. Uh, You're that, suggesting this was something the president did kind of on a whim. He tweeted, said, hey, I like yes. this guy. He may, have just, he may have just tweeted it because he likes his doctor, the guy that said he might live to be wow. 200 if he ate a little better. That's right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it makes an interesting moment now because we see all the other chaos in this Trump cabinet. We saw a vivid example of how difficult it is to have uh, cabinet nominees approved. Uh, just this week, Pompeo's uh, name in Secretary of State, he, he barely made it through the committee, uh, looked like he might get rejected by the committee. So amid all the cabinet issues and possible shuff- reshufflings, uh, Ronnie Jackson is going to be one heck of a battle if the White House chooses to continue to engage in it. So what happened, you know, we all assumed that the president saying that if it were him, he would he would get out. He also mentioned the experience problem. In, in other words, that Ronnie Jackson doesn't really have an experience running an agency of that size or even close to that size. Of course, very few people in the world do. It's a massive federal bureaucracy. Um, So the assumption was that Jackson would pull the plug. Um, But, Rick, I placed a call to White House communications team about an hour before we were going to go on the air with World News just to say, hey, any word on when, you know, when we're going to see some, you know, action on Jackson, by which I meant uh, you know that he would be pulling, pulling out, yeah, yeah. 
And I was told um, that uh, the president had just met with him and uh, it was all systems go, that uh, Jackson is getting railroaded. These uh, charges are, are totally off base. He's got a sterling record. He's got uh, military commendations all the way up and down the line. His FBI background check is crystal clear. And uh, they're going to fight it. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, why <laughs> did the something. president just say that he yeah. was um, – so that was all going on. And we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I, I have to say, again, you know, the, it's been – it has been striking to me to see the way the allegations against Jackson have been thrown around, regardless of whether or not you think he is in any way qualified to run the VA. And you can have a very legitimate debate on that. But to see allegations – put out there and you know allegations by i mean john tester a united states senator right. talking about how jackson is like drinking on the job and he's doing this and he's doing um without any evidence without anybody who's actually seen any of that alleged conduct conduct actually coming forward publicly to uh to to, to state it really you know seems to me to be unfortunate i mean if if, if this is true David Axelrod, who's obviously a top official in the uh, in the Obama administration, came out and said he never saw it. I have to tell you, and I, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not on the white, I've never been on the White House staff, but I've but I've been on those trips, um, and I never, I obviously obviously never saw Jackson uh, doing any of that, but I also never heard any even whispers of it. Now that doesn't mean the allegations aren't true, but to see maybe they are, maybe they're not. Right. But but to see them just kind of thrown out there on national television by a United States senator without any evidence is is extraordinary. And John, one of the allegations out there that he was overprescribing prescription meds it made it sound like he was running a one man pill mill inside yeah, the White like House. He was, like, he was giving Ambien to pe- to people on overseas trips. And, and I've been on overseas trips with uh, the Defense Department, with the Secretary of Defense, with the Secretary of State under under different administrations and on White House trips. And by the way, that is something that is done. Uh, and uh, it, 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 look, I've, I, I use Ambien myself, why so are I'm, you, why I'm are outing myself here because it works, because it helps you sleep, and particularly on an overnight Can't you just close your trip? eyes? Aren't you working so hard that when you have a chance to sleep, you sleep? What's going on Some with you? Some of us stress over the issues in the world a little more, John. It's okay, but I'm glad you sleep like a baby. But I, 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 I do think that Ronnie Jackson... He's going to have his day if he if he pushes forward on this, and maybe this is a bit of a breaking point on some of the uh, on some of the swirls of Trump scandals because not everything that comes out there is a legitimate scandal. I mean, there's a lot of bad behavior going on inside a very swampy Trump cabinet. Uh, maybe Ronnie Jackson's guilty, maybe he isn't, but uh, you're right. This came out very very quickly and very very loosely, no doubt. So, uh, but anyway, that, so this is kind of this was the kind of day it was. All these. You know, it's it's one Disparate of those typical lines, yeah. Trump Trump uh, days where you've got all these these storylines that all a, a, any one of them could be screaming banner headlines, and then Rick, there was one other thing I got to Trevor put on my list here. Did you know about this? Probably not. Okay, so I was in the Oval Office as I mentioned, and I had asked about Iran and had done some various things. There was another question that we were kind of discussing. Do you recall? The uh, the other topic that uh, oh what, this 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 have to do with uh, a certain personal attorney that over the years has been uh, has been Michael employed. Cohen yeah Michael Cohen. I, I remember I think this you guy. know yes I've interviewed. interviewed him many times sure, you've sure. talked to him a lot and he had his office raided and there there's been this hot debate over whether or not the president would pardon him do you remember this yeah oh, I remember and the story, um, sure. Alan Dershowitz was talking about this on um, on this week on Sunday. 
And uh, the White House was asked about it last week. Sarah Sanders uh, didn't rule it out, uh, you know, wouldn't really engage on it. So I don't know, Rick. Don't you think – wouldn't you kind of be curious what the president – I mean, do you think – wouldn't you maybe want to ask him if he's thinking about a pardon? I don't know if that's a smart question. Let's see what happens. Mr. President, what about Michael Cohen? Are, are, are you considering a pardon Thank you for very Michael much. Cohen? No. Stupid question. Was that aimed at you? Was he talking to you? Can, can we hear the end of that part again? <laughs> just just that last that last section, Trevor. Stupid question. So, Rick, I confess the president actually pointed at me as oh. he said that, oh, just that's to make nice. it clear that. You were the stupid questioner? Yes, yeah. And the, and the, so, like, John, you, you've done, you know, thousands of interviews over the years, lots of interactions with, with foreign dignitaries and pre- U.S. presidents and everything else. In the top ten of stupid questions you've asked, was mm. this? did this make the list? I don't, I don't think so. I think maybe some of those questions on top line back in the day, do you remember? <laughs> some um, of them were – they were pretty stupid, i got to yeah, say. Yeah. This is a legitimate question, but what it wasn't was a question that the president wanted to entertain next to his buddy Emmanuel Macron. That was where – that's, to my mind – what made it stupid is that he had a vision of what this moment and what the day would look like, and he didn't want to talk about Michael Cohen. He didn't want to talk about potential pardons. He had other things on his mind, and that did not fit his narrative of the day. So you might ask me, Rick, not, not to plant questions. Might, yes. Uh, you might ask me uh, if that was an appropriate thing for a reporter to ask there in the Oval Office as the president is seated next to a foreign leader. I think that'd be a stupid question to even ask you, but uh, let's say I ask you that, yes. Okay. So, you know, the answer is... Um, that we have very few opportunities to question the president, um, and you got to take those opportunities. And this is a this is definitely a pressing question. It's a central question regarding the investigation, maybe the central question at this moment. And I'm not going to have another chance to ask him. So, you know, y- y- you have to ask the question when you when yeah. when you have when you have the opportunity. And you know, um, do you remember? Uh, Back in the Monica Lewinsky scandal days, um, President Clinton went a long stretch of time without doing any actual press conferences. He did do some joint appearances like this one with foreign leaders who were visiting. So the only time that reporters had a chance to ask about the lurid details of the Monica Lewinsky scandal – and things related to the Ken Starr special counsel, independent counsel investigation, was when the president was next to a foreign leader. Right. And it seemed so unseemly, but the reporters had to do it. And then, you know, of course, the White House knew what they were doing. They wanted to make the reporters uncomfortable asking this question and try to, you know, create an environment where where you would be less likely to do so. And when good reporters don't care and you charge your head and you ask what you have to ask. But at the, I, I believe it was the White House Correspondents' Dinner um, in 1999. You can check me on this. Um, but uh, uh, Clinton did uh, in, came up to the podium to give his speech, and he brought with him somebody dressed like a foreign leader <laughs> standing next to him. You know, bring somebody. It was like he needed it as like a security blanket to try to insulate him from uh, from uncomfortable questions, and, and and he made fun of that. But it's what you have to do, and it's yeah. one of those things uh, that, that that might kind of seem a little jarring from you know you're watching at home, and you're saying, well, why, why are these people asking? questions that are that are off topic uh and and the, and the answer is you have to ask a question when you have a chance to ask the question and particularly this president you never know what he's going to answer and when and it, you know, it's very easy to imagine a scenario where he would have engaged in that and make, made a whole lot of news about that about that very issue but i, I think the broader point of, of, of all of this and the lesson for all of us is that the president 
does think of these things as stage managed events. He, he is thinking about these as a way to convey a certain message to the American public. He understands television. I've said it before, John, better than we do, and we work in the business. Uh, and he I don't know if he the, understands podcasting as well. No, and we I, I'll, I'll say so far not, but uh, he may get there yet. And he understands all media, and he understands the power of this. And yeah, in that case, he calls you out for a stupid question. Stupid question. And y- you know, just to give you an example of of how sometimes off topic things can come up, maybe even brought up by the president himself. Do you recall uh, just be- a couple of days before the airstrikes uh, on Syria, the second round, um, um, just a short while ago, that the president had a meeting in the cabinet room with his uh, with his senior military leaders mm-hmm. to discuss the uh, options on Syria? Yes, I do. Do you recall this? Very serious, very sober. This is a matter of war. Um, and he, And the cameras came in. And do you recall what the president talked about for the first roughly eight minutes without even being prompted by a question? Do you remember what he talked about? I'm going to, to go with who is Michael Cohen? I think he Alex. talked extensively about Michael Cohen and the raid on Michael Cohen's office. And do you recall a reporter? I was not pulled that day. Uh, another reporter, it was actually a reporter with Fox Radio, asked him, why don't you fire Mueller? And do you remember he mused about how a lot of people are saying he should fire mm-hmm. Mueller, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, do you remember that? I do. Okay, anyway, so that was a very, that was an incredibly grave situation. That We're talking about military leadership and war and peace. Right. We were talking about Michael Cohen. So, anyway. Uh, not a stupid question. Not a stupid in, question. In so, Rick, I don't know, I, I, we, we have a big guest lined up. We have Senator John Kennedy. Not the first senator to go by that name, we should note. Oh, so not the first senator to go by that name, but but um, maybe the most colorful. This guy has become uh, a Capitol Hill quote machine for his colorful analogies. He is the Republican senator from Louisiana. He said that he was going to ask President Macron uh, or convey some thanks to President Macron for uh, for his predecessors selling uh, Louisiana to the United States. So we'll we'll see how that conversation went, among many other things. He was a guest at that state dinner, one of very few guests at that state dinner, a very small state dinner. So we'll ask that him about was, that. That and, was Napoleon that sold it, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was to Thomas Jefferson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I always yeah. thought that did that, 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 that it belong to uh, to the Spanish? How did the French end up? I, we, we need to. We have to another podcast on that. I mean, why? You know. And Macron, of course, the the youngest French leader since Napoleon. Uh, this is a good, this this is all very this is all very good stuff. But Rick. Um, um, I have to run into the briefing. Uh, we, we now uh, see we have a White House press briefing scheduled uh, shortly. So I am not going to be able to join you for this uh, conversation with Senator Kenny. But will you please avoid stupid questions, please? The hashtag no stupid questions. You bet, John. All right. We got to take a quick break. When we come back or when Rick comes back, we'll have Senator John Kennedy. Brought to you by Indeed. Used by over 3 million businesses for hiring where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. There's a lot coming at you right now. Turmoil, tweets, an insane amount of chatter. I'm Brad Milkey with ABC News, and I'm here to throw you a lifeline. It's a new podcast called Start Here, where our experts give you on-the-ground access to the biggest stories of the day. We're going to give you some context, some clarity among the chaos. 20 minutes every weekday. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and start here. 
Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics, and I'm pleased to be joined here on the podcast by Senator John Kennedy, Republican from Louisiana. He went to the state dinner with uh, the president of France uh, earlier in the week, and he was also at the speech that President Macron uh, delivered. And I want to start with that speech because it seems like there's a lot of different reactions out of it. But as I'm watching President Macron talk to this joint meeting of Congress, you heard him commit very strongly to not pulling out of the Iran deal, expressing confidence that the United States will be back in the the Paris Climate Accord. He had some strong words for uh, nationalist forces. I read that, I heard that as a, as a pretty remarkable rebuke of Trumpism, but I'm curious your take. Did you take it the same way? Do you think that President Macron was trying to deliver a message to President Trump? President Macron is obviously a person of intellect. He has vision in the sense that uh, um, he, he thinks longer term as well as short term. Um, he's charming. He's a good politician, I, I, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. His his uh, his thoughts on on Iran, uh, Syria. Um, I would like to 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 have heard him talk about uh, the West relationship with China, but of course he probably didn't have time. But but I, I question some of his assumptions. I think President McCall, and maybe he's right, but I'm not prepared to concede that. I, I think he he believes that our enemies we can be reasoned with that it's uh, just a question of using uh, logic and uh, establishing a relationship. And certainly diplomacy uh, helps. We should do that. But it's been my experience in the world that there are some people, some people who lead some nations, who, uh, who they're not sick, they're not confused. It's not a question whether their mama or daddy loved them enough. They're, um, that they're just hell-bent. On uh, on what I consider to be evil, what what's and with those people, um, trying to reason with them to the to the point of of uh, just continuing to dig the hole is like trying to hand feed a shark. I think that you have to be firm with. What's the upshot? Now, maybe of- we're saying the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I just got the impression that he's President Trump, very smart. And he feels like, you know, we, we need to reason together. And I agree with that. I wish it worked. You know, um, I believe love is the answer. But I also own a handgun. <laughs> I, I, what do you make of this bromance that we saw on display in Washington the last couple of days? These very unlikely uh, two world leaders um, literally embracing hands over and over again. The president even removing what he said was some dandruff from Macron's shirt. Uh, the first state dinner of the presidency, the, 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 the Mount Vernon dinner. What is it? Is it genuine? And what does it mean for this very fraught relationship where you have the president of France who seems to be trying to lead the world in, in frankly, a different direction than President Trump would? Well, if, 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 if President Macron has a beating heart, and I believe he does, then he had to be impressed with the dinner last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was sure impressed. It was uh, Mrs. Trump did a wonderful job. It was just a beautiful, lovely setting. Uh, everybody was so grateful that, that the President Macron was here. We're so grateful that he stood with us in Syria. The entertainment was wonderful. And, and I watched Mrs. Macron and President Macron uh, very closely, and clearly in his interaction and her interaction with Mrs. Trump and President Trump, and clearly there's, there, there's an affection, uh, a deep affection. Uh, whether it'll make any difference long term, I, I think it will, but we don't know yet. Um, and and I'm going to say it again, Macron's a charming guy. He's a good politician. I, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. 
he and President Trump have a lot in common. And I mean, they both they, they both were elected by people who demanded change. Some angry. They started basically with nothing. President Macron built his own party. President Trump practically did. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. But I, I'm, well, I'll tell you what I'm encouraged. I'm looking at from thirty thousand feet. Here's a, here is a, a a leader of the free world, very intelligent, um, has vision, who's willing to sit down with the United States and say, let's protect freedom together. And I think that's worth worth pursuing, uh, especially when a lot of our other friends in the world are are just you know up to their rear end in alligators. I mean, they've got their own internal problems. Now, but I but I, I President Macron is. Uh, He's bright, but he's really young, and uh, it's just been my experience. There's some folks you can't reason with, like President Putin. I think the Russian people are wonderful people, but the leadership's lacking, and President Putin is acting like a thug. I think he, he understands one thing. you got to smack him in the face, <laughs> not literally, but in terms of sanctions. I think you got to hit him with sanctions so hard he'll cough up bones, and then you've got his attention. I wish it wasn't like that, but... That's the way the world is. If I make it to heaven, I'm going to ask why it's like that. How was the jambalaya? And did you actually ask or, or, or uh, ask thank Macron for uh, his predecessors selling Louisiana to the United States? Well, it was. I did. I, I did thank President Macron. I said first, I want to tell you, sir, I'm so grateful that you stood with Americans here. You'll never know how much that meant to us, and and I thank the UK too. And uh, then I said, I'm not sure. He, he uh, knew how to respond, but I did say I want to thank you. Please thank the, the people of France uh, for selling us uh, Louisiana. I, I love France, but I, I I'm like being part of America, <laughs> and I meant that as a compliment. Um, uh, the, the jambalaya was Washington jambalaya. I'll put it that way. What does that mean? Um, well, that means it wasn't Louisiana jambalaya. It was different. Not <laughs> worse or better. I'm trying to be diplomatic. I here. see. Yeah. Uh, but let me tell you, it was a Mrs. Trump was in charge of everything, and she, it was just a uh, an exquisite, exquisite evening. I mean, it was it was really she really did a wonderful. Senator, let's let's talk about the president's cabinet uh, for a moment. Uh, okay. You you admonished uh, Administrator Pruitt from the EPA a couple weeks ago to stop acting like a chucklehead, uh, and we've yep. seen uh, now the, the the issues around Ronnie Jackson, the president's choice for the VA. Just broad thoughts on this: What is going on? with the president's cabinet? Are you concerned that they're making swamp problems worse? Well, I think you have to deal with each situation separately because each situation is different. Dr. Jackson, these are all allegations. Um, he wants his uh, day in court, so to speak, and uh, I'm looking forward to hear him, hearing him answer them. Um, Secretary Pruitt, I, I divorced for him and other cabinet secretaries. I, I divorced his policy from his behavior. I mean, first of all, it's not his policy. It's the policy of Congress and sure. the policy of President Trump. His, uh, um, Director Pruitt's uh, uh, power is derivative. Um, but even if it was his policy, and I agree with it, you just can't disrespect the American taxpayer like he apparently has. And um, I, I said it when, when Dr. Price did what he did. I, I was one of the first ones to say, look, ethics matter. Impropriety matters. Appearance of impropriety matters. And Dr. Price is wrong here. And some people push back on that. But um, I, I think uh, if I were, were Mr. Pruitt, I'd call a press conference 
I'd do it in front of Congress, but I'd call a press conference and I'd say, I'm going to stay as long as, as you folks want. Uh, here's your, I've heard your criticisms. Here's, here's my position. If, 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 uh, if the criticism is right, he needs to admit it and apologize to the American taxpayer. If he can defend it, he needs to lay it out. And then he needs to stop leading with his tent and bathe. Because you can't go around acting like a big shot. You shouldn't fly first class if you don't have to. You shouldn't turn on your siren on your car to watch people pull over. I don't know why he needed a $50,000 phone booth or why he needs 20 you know, security personnel. Um, I don't know what happened back in Oklahoma, but it, it looks kind of funny. Um, you know, the apartment here, he rented an apartment, a discounted apartment from uh, the spouse of uh, a very prominent energy lobbyist in Washington. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? You know, I mean, he's, he's running the EPA. He's just got to stop leading with his tent. So and if he doesn't, because he's hurting the president. Do you, if he is abusing the American taxpayer, in your view, should he just go? Do you think it's time for him to go? Well, I mean, that's the president, if it doesn't improve and he can't answer all this, the president's going to have to make that decision. Uh, I, I just, I am not going to support, I don't care who does it, I'm not going to support the abuse of taxpayer money. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Uh, this money didn't fall from heaven. We thank heaven for it, but it came out of people's pockets. It's what the swamp is all about. And if you don't respect taxpayer money, you're not qualified to serve, in my opinion. And if he worked for me, he doesn't. Uh, but if he did, I'd say, look, the first time it's a mistake. Second time it's a choice. Leaving leaving Ronnie Jackson aside, I, I take your point that he deserves his day in, in before Congress. We talked about Administrator mm-hmm. Pruitt. We saw Ben Carson's bills. We, we It seems like this is happening again and again. What do you attribute it to that it seems like you have multiple members of the Trump cabinet who are not respecting taxpayer dollars, at least based on the information that's come out, that it seems to be an abuse of taxpayer dollars? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know much about the inner workings of the White House. I do not know. I, I think uh, I, I think General Kelly, um, Chief of Staff Kelly, is not amused by all this, um, and and he's trying to get it under control. Um, all I can tell you is that if, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite about this. If this were uh, uh, one of President Obama's uh, appointees, I'd, I'd be. Uh, I'd be raising cane all over hell and half of Georgia, and most of my colleagues on the Republican side would. And and uh, you just can't have it both ways. And there's no excuse. I don't care what party you're in or who you are. You can't abuse taxpayer money. I'm not saying people don't make mistakes. They do. But when there's a pattern, uh, that's misbehavior. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't know if chucklehead is the right word, but people need to bathe. I think chucklehead's in the, in the ballpark. I like that for a, for a moment. Well, you don't hear that every day. I could do it. It's the best I could do on a <laughs> spur of the moment. So regarding Dr. Jackson, are you convinced that he's qualified to lead the VA? Just leave aside the questions of personal conduct, which I assume come out in the mm-hmm. course of committee hearings. Is he qualified to lead the Veterans Administration? You know, I don't know. I haven't met him. I want to listen to him uh, in committee. I want to hear his ideas for the VA. Um, you know, I remember when, uh, not to get off the subject, but it's somewhat related, when President uh, Macron first announced, I mean, everybody said, who is this guy? You know, is he qualified? Um, 
whether you agree or disagree with him, you have to be impressed. I, I mean, I don't know Dr. Jackson, but he deserves his day in court. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. If I think, uh, well, I just want to give him a fair chance. Uh, before we let you go, I need to get your, your take on the biggest, uh, certainly the biggest talker of the week. And you've got a reputation already in a short time in Congress, Senator, if I may, for these for colorful expressions and having, having a, a quick wit about you. Melania's hat. What came to mind when you saw Melania Trump's white hat? You know, my mama might have raised an ugly child, but I'm not stupid. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Trump is a, I, I, I think I can say, still say this in a politically correct world, you know, she, she, she's a beautiful woman. And um, I, I was very proud of the job she did last night, and I was very proud that, that she's the first lady of the United States. She's, I think she's, I've talked with her before. She's extremely intelligent. She's fluent in a number of languages. I have trouble with English. Um <laughs> And uh, she just did a magnificent job, and I thought she was beautiful. And I felt the same way about about uh, Mrs. Uh, Macron. And it was a lovely evening. I know I'm sounding like a sap here, but um, for for a guy that was raised in Zachary, Louisiana, three thousand people, you know, I was damned impressed. I'll put it that way. <laughs> What's the best thing you ate? My country. What was the I'm best sorry? item on the menu last night? Uh, we, uh, the, the, the lamb. It was it was delicious. We had goat cheese. We had the jambalaya. The yep. Washington Zambalaya. Um, I don't usually eat desserts, but the dessert was good. And uh, I'm not a big drinker, but the wine is was excellent. And it was just a great evening. And I think everybody had a good time. It, it sounds like a, a special night and a special week. Senator John Kennedy, hey, Republican, really Republican from Louisiana. Thank you, Senator. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks for being on. For Jonathan Carl, I'm Rick Klein. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes or wherever you get the podcast. Leave a review. It helps other people find the podcast. We were produced today by Trevor Hastings, Avery Miller, and Angie Yank. That's it from here. We'll catch you next time.